this is Pastor Dusty. Thanks for listening to the Messages and Messengers podcast. I hope it's meaningful to you and your walk with Jesus. Enjoy. Well, good morning, Plymouth Nazarene in-house and online. I'm Pastor Dusty, and you are loved. Well, many years ago, there was a healthcare crisis in Rwanda. There were vast amounts of children that were dying from preventable diseases, but they didn't have access to or information about how to get the medicine that they needed. So this outside firm came in and they did all this research on the local dialects, the color palettes and patterns that the tribes used, and they printed thousands of posters to create awareness about the medicines that were available. They went up everywhere to get the word out. They were seen by the majority of these mothers that had sick and dying children in their homes, but that didn't motivate them to get the help that they needed. The program was well-funded. The posters were clear. They were well-worded, and they were visible in many key locations throughout the villages. So what went wrong? Well, what that outside firm didn't know is that 70% of the women in Rwanda at that time were illiterate. They couldn't read the posters. They didn't gather or share information with posters or screens or even the written word at all. They communicated with songs. Songs. Their lives were shaped by lyrics, music, melody, cadence, rhythm. And so is yours. There could be a TV show theme song that you haven't heard in 30 years, but three notes in, you remember all the words. Also, It's been 30 years since TV shows have had theme songs with words. But the reason that music is critical to the Christian faith is not only is it a celebration as a community like we just did, and that's wonderful, but it's a meaningful way to learn the Scripture, to reinforce foundational truth. I've heard it said that a worship song is a sermon that you sing. We are processing the same biblical truth in many different ways each week. Uh, Large group singing, unidirectional teaching, small group discussion, personal devotion, meditating on scripture, and on and on and on. It's the same biblical truth and many different methods to engage that truth and be shaped by it. So today we're starting a new series through the Psalms called Shaped by a Song. And as you're probably aware, the Psalms are worship songs. It's not a teaching manual. It's not a journal, it's not a lecture, but they're lyrics of the congregation of ancient Israel to sing out in praise, lament, celebration, and to grieve together. Uh, We don't do communal lament and grief very well in our culture, but that's a big part of the Psalms. It's 30 to 60%, depending on how you qualify it. Israel was a people shaped by a song. And so are we as Americans or Christians. Uh, When you were a teenager, please don't raise your hand, uh, did you ever make fashion choices based on your favorite band? Uh, Maybe you had beetle boots or big hair or a grunge flannel or a certain brand of hat or shoes or a face tattoo like your favorite artist. Yes, me too. Well, not the face tattoo one, but we are shaped by music. So choose your songs wisely. Open up your Bible to Psalm chapter 1, and uh, it's going to be on the screen. It says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, 
nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Now, don't misread this one. Do walk with the ungodly. Do not walk in their counsel. You don't have to do heroin to be friends with a heroin addict. You don't have to commit tax fraud to be friends with a criminal. Be a friend of sinners, not a friend of sin. Jesus was thoroughly invested in the lives of broken, addicted, hurting, and hurtful people in his community. He didn't need to partake in their dysfunction to relate to them. He, instead, he was present right in the midst of their mess, and he brought healing and hope to any that would accept it. Uh, when I was leaving one city that I pastored in, uh, one of the local drug kingpins texted me personally and thanks, thanked me for the time that I had spent with him and his family and the positive impact that I had made on his city. Did this guy get saved like I would have preferred? No. Did he attend church like I wanted? Mm, just a handful of times. Did we spend time together, pray together, listen to his story, share meals, and struggle through the issues of life? You better believe we did. And I didn't have to do his drugs to be part of that. If we isolate ourselves from the world, we can't reach them. But if we go to the other extreme and we assimilate ourselves into the world, we also won't reach them. So if offensively shouting from a distance at dirty sinners doesn't work, and becoming fully immersed in sin as an undercover agent for Jesus also doesn't work, then what does? Influence. Leadership is influence. When we've earned trust with a person, a family, a community, we can influence and invite them in to the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus did. He didn't force anyone to believe in or to follow him. He showed that he cared for them, often with acts of mercy, healing, or miracles. And then he invited them to follow him. And many didn't. Some did, and then they walked away. But some followed them with their whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that changed the world. That's what I signed up for, and I hope you did too. If we want to be influential in our family, our workplace, our community, we need to be influenced by truth ourselves. Our thoughts, words, and actions are influenced by whatever we surround ourselves with. Your life moves in the direction of your strongest thought. You know the proverb, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You cannot shut off the fact that you are influenced by outside input, but you can choose what that input is. Here's how. Look at verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Remember last week how we talked about meditating on the scripture and I had my silly sleep mask, my chair, and my Bible app? Well, that helps me set my heart on the law of God. It's different from academically studying or devotionally reading the scripture, both of which I do regularly and would encourage you to do. But let me encourage you to learn to meditate on the scripture. Let it sink deep and slow into your soul. If you do meditate on the law day and night, like this psalm recommends, what happens? Well, I'm glad you asked. Look at verse 3. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in season, 
whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Uh, raise your hand if you've ever had a fruit tree in your yard. Have you ever had a fruit tree in your yard? So how do you get it to produce apples? Well, step one, it has to be born as, a, as an apple tree. A pine tree will not produce apples, no matter how much you want it to. Once it's been born and planted into a firm foundation as an apple tree, it needs at least three things to produce fruit. Water, sun, and time. If you prepare the environment for the apple tree and you give it access to good soil, water, and sun, in due time, it will produce apples. You can't whip that tree into producing apples. You can't shame it into producing oranges. If the environment is right, it will produce good fruit. Jesus put it this way. Look at John 15. He said, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. That brings great glory to my Father. You didn't choose me. I chose you. And I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love one another. So the environment your soul needs to produce fruit is to be rooted in the Scripture with regular access to living water and daily time in the light of the Son of God. As a church, we are interested in building a firm foundation for disciples of all ages. And one part of that is serving children. One of the many ways that we serve children is through Kids Hope. And I'd like to invite Nanine to come up and tell us about that ministry. So, Kids Hope is a great way to connect followers of Jesus in the church with kids in a school that need some extra help and care. Uh, give us an overview of the program. Well, there's really two important parts of the program. We have the mentors who meet with a student that have been matched at Isbister. It's one church, one school. Um, and they meet once a week for an hour. And in that hour, they really just build up a friendship. But through games and crafts that are provided. And sometimes the teacher will send work that needs to be worked on. And then the other important part is the prayer partner. Each mentor has a prayer partner who supports them and prays for the child and the mentor. And then I have a team of ladies who pray for me, who I need it. 
and the program in general. Wonderful. Uh, tell us the story of a child's life that you've seen impacted by one of the mentors. Well, unfortunately, as a director, I don't get to see one-on-one -on -one that much, but we do have evaluations each year from the student and uh, the teachers, and we have weekly progress reports, so I'm going to share a couple comments that were on those. Um, from the teacher, when she was asked about academic growth did, and was anything more than they expected, she said, yes, the student um, is almost on grade level for reading now and has achieved math grade level. And she credited the mentor for helping do that. And the student was asked, do, would you like to continue with your mentor and program next year? And they said, yes, exclamation, because you are the best. And then recently, um, there was a, on the comment on the progress report, the student had said to the teacher that Thursday was their favorite day of the week because they knew their mentor was coming. Mm. They knew somebody cared enough to come and, and seek them out. That's right. Um, how has spending time with these kids or directing this program affected your relationship with God? Well, I wish I could spend more time with them, but what happens when I get the referrals from I'm just reminded how blessed I was. For my childhood and the circumstances that I grew up in. Because of these little ones are facing big challenges and um, sometimes a lot of chaos in their families. And I'm just so grateful that the Lord's given us this program that we can have a positive influence on them and, like you say, someone who really cares about them and is there for them. Um, and I just am so glad that he's allowed us to affect their lives and I know Jesus loves each one of them and has a future for them and by mentoring them and praying for them, we're just having an effect on them um, for their future and whatever the Lord has for them. Sorry for crying. Hey, that's all right. You care about the kids. We know that. Uh, if somebody wanted to get involved with Kids Hope, what's the time commitment and how can they get started? Well, I'd love to talk with you, and I won't cry, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> um, the commitment, and it's, and it's really important because these kids have had a lot of disappointment. You meet with them once a week for an hour um, through the school year. And um, the, if you are interested, come see me. Um, there is an application process and a training. Um, you get lots of support um, through, the, through me and through the organization and at the school. Um, and basically, that's it. You commit for one year. Or actually, if you wanted to start this semester, we could do that. But it is one hour a week for the school year. Thank you. Well, we're going to call the mentors up to pray for them. But, you know, a good question is, are these kids part of our children's ministry? Hmm. Well, they're not in our classroom right now, but they are children that we love and are praying for and are ministering to. So I would say yes. They are in our extended church family. Yes, they are. <laughs> All right. Can we invite the mentors and prayer partners to come up? We'd love to pray for you.
like with the kids. Yeah. And I don't see Ginger today. But I think everybody else is here. So there's a couple more. Very good. All right, can we circle up, guys? I'll love to pray with you guys. Lord, thank you for these mentors and these prayer partners. Thank you for their passion for children, uh, their love for you and their love for people, their investment in the, these families and the schools. We know that there is so much hurt and pain and dysfunction uh, in the lives of these kids. Thank you that they can count on seeing someone that loves them and has come to spend time one-on-one -on -one with them and to show your love and to invest in them academically. Thank you for the way that you're working and the way that uh, this investment will uh, very likely outlive these people, these mentors. Um, Jesus, we give ourselves to you as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. It is our reasonable act of worship. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you guys for your investment in those kids. Thank you, Nanine, for directing. Yeah, give them a hand. You know, that creates a foundation of love and care for these kids. We want them to grow into strong trees that bear good fruit for the Lord. Look at verse 3. And in our psalm, it says, He shall be planted like the trees by the rivers of water that shall bring forth its fruit in season, whose leaf shall not wither. Whatever he does shall prosper. But the ungodly are not so. They are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Yikes, those are some scary words for the ungodly. Now, what's our reaction to that as believers? Good, that's what they deserve. Let the ungodly perish. Mm, no thanks. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If we look at those that are outside the faith as enemies, we will not be able to invite them into the story of God. I love how Rick Warren puts it. He said, you'll never win your enemies to Christ, only your friends. But do you only have like-minded friends? Well, what's the advantage of that? Well, we can agree on most everything and think that we're right about all of it. What's the disadvantage of that? Well, we can agree on most everything and think we're right about all of it. Uh, it can be difficult, but you need friends on the other side of the political divide than you. It makes you better. You need friends a generation younger and a generation older than you. It makes you better. You need friends better off and worse off economically than you. It makes you better. Don't surround yourself with people just like you. It's a dangerous echo chamber. I've enjoyed this quote this week. Um, it said, I found that people who think they have all the answers don't even know all the questions. John Maxwell has a great book called Good Leaders Ask Great Questions, and that's the kind of leader I want to be. I'm not a pound-the-table leader. I'm a set-the-table leader. So what's the song that shaped your life? Is it the melody of deceitful selfishness? The world's number one hit single is You Do You. People are still falling for that message of unrestrained selfishness. And they think that that's the key to happiness. Just look at your own life. Are the most selfish people you know the happiest? No. In my experience, givers are the happiest people. Those that are generous with their time, their talents, their treasure, and their influence. That give more than they take. It's almost like 
it's more blessed to give than to receive. Maybe you're shaped by the song of inadequacy. Lyrics reinforcing that you aren't good enough, you aren't talented enough, you aren't faithful enough, and you never would deserve God's song. Oh, that's an emotional song. It's well-written with convincing lyrics, but it's not accurate. That song focuses on the wrong part of the picture. Oh, it is true that I'm not good enough, I'm not talented enough, I'm not faithful enough, and I don't deserve God's love, but that's the starting point for the gospel. When I was without hope on my own, Jesus stepped onto the scene and said, follow me. Are you feeling like maybe you can't even approach God's presence because of what you've done or haven't done? Take that feeling of inadequacy and instead of it leading you to isolation, have it lead you to invitation. You are exactly the type of person that Jesus invites into his kingdom. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Or maybe your life is shaped by the song of the gospel, but the volume has faded a bit. Uh, are you old enough to remember car radios? If you are, you knew that if you started to drive far enough away from a broadcast tower, you would start to get static over your music. You can still hear it, but you can't enjoy the music anymore. The further you go, the stronger that static gets until eventually those call numbers become another radio station. Your country western classics just became the opera hour from another broadcast tower. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. So let me ask you, are one of those three songs shaping your life? Is the platinum hit of deceitful selfishness the one you're listening to? Is it the gritty emo ballad of inadequacy? Or has your gospel song started to pick up static as you've drifted away from the broadcast tower? Well, today is a great day to choose a better song. You cannot choose, you cannot change the fact that your life is shaped by outside influence, but you can choose that influence. And I want you to choose wisely. Am I going to choose to be shaped by the songs of life in the scripture? Yes, that's the choice I'm making. And I invite you to join me. We're going to meditate on Psalm 1. And I invite you to stand, close your eyes, and open your heart. Let the words of this worship song written thousands of years ago speak to your soul. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in season. His leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. But the ungodly are not so. They are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. 
For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you with humble hearts. We are here to turn down the volume of the songs that have been dominating our lives. Maybe we're hearing the song of selfishness from the world all the time. Look out for yourself. You do you. Take care of yourself. Let everybody else adjust to you. Lord, we know that's a deceitful message that does not live to a fulfilling life. Maybe we're hearing the song of inadequacy, that we're not good enough. We don't measure up. We couldn't dare approach you. We can't pray. There's not a spot for us in the kingdom. We don't have gifts or talents or abilities. We're not going to fall for that. We're going to let those feelings not pull us into isolation, but lead us to an invitation into your presence. Lord, we come empty-handed to accept what you want to give us. We don't come to you because we have it all. We come to you because we have nothing. And Lord, I pray for those that the volume of the song of the gospel that they have known for many years has picked up some static. Maybe they've drifted from the broadcast tower. The gospel's there, but it's faint. It's quiet. It's distorted. Help us, Lord, to turn around, to head back in your direction. You invite us back with open arms. Today, as individuals and as a community, we commit to investing into your song of life. Let our lives be filled with scripture, filled with a community that loves us, filled with giving back to you, filled with serving the poor, the hurting. Jesus, speak to us today. Let us be quick to respond. We're not here to renegotiate your purposes. We're, not, we're certainly not here to tell you what to do. We're here to listen and to respond to what you ask of us. Help us to be your people. You are our God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. You can hop over to PlymouthNazarene.com to connect with us further. Thanks. Thanks.